Church. How's everybody doing today? Hey, I'm super excited about the 40-day fast coming up. If you're here and you've never done a fast before, don't be too alarmed. I mean, this is a, if you want to, check the box and we'll sign you up for that. Um, if you've never done a fast before, I would encourage you to take part. Fasts are awesome. Um, don't be afraid. You know, you don't have to fast food like Pastor Stacy was saying. You can fast whatever you want. You might fast social media. You might fast um, just the internet. You might fast TV. You might fast um, anything that just distracts you from getting into God's presence. It's really what it's about. It's about giving up something that is legal, something that God says that you're allowed to have that distracts you from spending time with him. That's what a fast is for. The fast is to transform us into his image and, and into his likeness. We've done in the past, uh, you know, I've talked about uh, Daniel's fast. That's one of my favorite fasts to do. Daniel's fast is where you fast meats and sweets, no meats, no sweets. Uh, that's one of my favorite fasts to do. Uh, you can do like a juice fast where you drink, you, where you do just juice. People do all different types of things, you know. Whatever you're comfortable with. Don't go beyond your own comfort level, right? So each person can fast what they want. Every day I'm going to be sending out an email. Today we're going to pray for uh, reality of the presence of God in our life. Today we're going to pray that we would increase in faith. Today we're going to pray that. And this is what we're going to do for 40 days. For 40 days, starting March 2nd, going through until April 10th, which is Palm Sunday, we are going to fast 40 days. This time around, I share, I share what I'm going to fast so that you guys can be encouraged. This time around, I really feel the Lord uh, putting on my heart not so much to fast and give something up, but to press in and give him more, right? Uh, so the Lord's going to, the Lord put a number in my mind, and so now I've got to get up that day, every day, uh, at that time, every day. I'm not going to share the time because I don't want to dissuade you from what you're doing. But he's given me a number. He says, get up at this hour every single day and pray and read my word. Do these three things that I've told you to do that you're not really good at doing every day. Do them every day for 40 days. And then uh, the other thing is social media. I'm going to be off social media for 40 days. I will not be on Facebook. If you see me there, it's just to comment on the church uh, comment page so that I can respond to people. That's my only thing that I'm going to do on Facebook for 40 days because the Lord said to, to get off of it for 40 days. I know why, because it distracts me. It's a distraction. I should be here. I should be longing to be in the presence. And I find myself on Facebook. And we're all human. We all do this. And so this is just a period of time. This is a period of 40 days where I'm going to discipline myself so that I would not be disciplined. Amen? So that I can come closer to him. The whole goal here, guys, is to come closer to him. It's to come more into his presence on a daily, rate, on a daily basis. There is one thing that I have of a desire in my heart. Psalm 27, 4. We've discussed this already. We're going back there. One thing have I desired. That will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord, that I might be in the presence of God every single day of my life. The presence of God. There is a premium on the presence of God in my life. It is important, and I will give up whatever thing is legal and, and good. I'll give it up so that I could just come closer to Jesus. Jesus said in, uh, when he was questioned, they said, the, the, the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they asked him, why do we and the disciples of the Pharisees, or why do we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, they don't fast? And Jesus said, can the, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? 
Basically, what Jesus was saying was, how can you expect my disciples to fast and be sorrowful and be mournful when I am literally right here in their presence with them? What is the bridegroom fast about? What is this fasting about? It's about the fact that I don't have as much of the presence of God in my life as I want. I may have a lot of the presence of God, but I don't have it all, and so I'm not satisfied. I still want more. Until Jesus is showing up on a regular basis with the glory and power is just streaming and emanating. And even then, I want more. Take me up in glory like Enoch. Amen? Glory to God. All right. Whew. We're going to continue in our presence of God series this morning. Man, that was a great word Pastor Stacy had. That was fantastic. I just, I love that. I love that. I love it. I love the visual that's there. And that is Jesus' heart. The Bible tells us that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who don't need repentance. And that's Jesus with you, with you, with you. Even, even after you're saved, he's just so happy. He's like, yeah, look at this. This is great. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the present. Today I want to talk to you about the transforming power of the presence of God. When we enter into the presence of God, we are transformed by his power. When we enter into the presence of God, when we find ourselves in God's presence, God's presence, the power of God's presence literally has the ability to transform us and to create in us new things, to take out of us things that don't belong there, and to Give us the things that we need to live a godly life. This is what the presence of God does. It transforms us. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, God's presence comes and we are changed. We are changed. I've heard stories, you've heard stories, and they're all true, of people being in the presence of God and being delivered from drug addiction in a moment being delivered from alcohol addiction in a moment, being delivered from uh, needing to smoke cigarettes in a moment, being delivered from pornography in a moment. One moment the addiction was there, the next moment it was gone. And then testimonies from those same people who had to walk out different struggles over a period of time. Sometimes the presence of God comes and delivers us from things. Sometimes we need to walk it out. Sometimes we need to walk it out by what the Word says. Sometimes we need to walk it out by uh, confession, by uh, aligning ourselves and joining ourselves with someone. Sometimes we, 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 we have to walk it out by making ourselves accountable one to another. The book of James says, confess your sins one to another. And there is power in confession because when we confess our sins one to another, we make ourselves accountable. We make ourselves accountable, and then people can hold us to hold, help us to hold the line. When I'm weak, when we're weak, we can call on that person that we've shared with, and they can pray for us while we pray. They, we get strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers, and this is why God has joined us together as a body, so that we could be strong together. Today, I'm talking about the transforming power of the presence of God. Let's look at the first scripture here, 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says, Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, now the, now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same glory, the, into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to I want to read a little bit more of the text to you this morning. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read um, beginning in verse seven, so that we have a little bit more context as what Paul's talking about here. Paul writes, and man, sometimes Paul he's like a lawyer, and he writes in this jargon that's it can be difficult to understand. But sometimes if we read a little bit more of the context that's there, it's easier. So beginning in verse 7, he says, But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which the glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We are free from the law of condemnation. We're free from it. We're not, we're not held underneath that penalty any longer. Why? Because of what Christ did for us. Because of the blood of Jesus. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Glory to God. In the Old Testament, Moses stood in the physical presence of God. And when Moses came out of the physical presence of God, his face shone. It, it was bright, shining, as if like one of these lights Put it in my face and I'm shining it on you. You can't look at me because it's so bright. This is what Moses' face did. And so he had to put a veil over his face because the Israelites, the people of God that Moses was, lead, was leading, they couldn't look at his face because of the brightness of his face. Because the glory of God was resonant on his being, but it was fading away as he wasn't with God, each passing moment. See what we're saying here? See what Paul's saying? We have an even greater glory living on the inside of us. It's the glory of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God in our lives. And that glory goes out from us, and people see it everywhere we go. Are they seeing it? Are you emanating it? Are you reflecting it? 
how do we get the, the glory that comes off of us? It should be increasing as we keep walking with the Lord. Pastor Stacy said she's been saved for 30 years. I'm coming up on my 30 years. I'll be saved 30 years, May 1st. Is the glory that's coming off of your face, is it getting brighter every day? Is it getting brighter year by year? Is it getting brighter month by month? Is it getting brighter moment by moment? It should be. As we continue to walk with the Lord, we should continue to behold the Lord, and the glory of God that comes off of us should just continue to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen. Amen. How do we get brighter? It says, but we are with unveiled face, without a veil over our face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When we behold the Lord, when we look steadily at who God is, when we fix our eyes on him and we look and we say, God, I want to know who you are. God, I want to see you. I want my eyes to see you. When we look steadily and we make it our heart's commitment to be in the presence of God, to look upon God, it transforms us and we're changed from glory to glory, and the glory that's in us comes higher. It keeps coming higher. The glory of God keeps coming higher. The glory that's emanating off of us, it keeps coming higher. And we become a reflection of who God is. There's a mirror, and our face reflects his face. Our face is like the moon reflecting the sun. He's bright, and I'm a little less bright, but I'm getting brighter. Amen? Beholding, let me tell you, let me say this about beholding God. It occurred to me this week that we cannot, it is not, it's not, let me, let me say this, it's not possible for us to exaggerate the goodness of God. Let me say that again. It is not possible for us to exaggerate the goodness of God. I can exaggerate my skills as a basketball player. I'm a good basketball player. Matter of fact, I'm probably the best person in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I just exaggerated my skill. I, I know I'm not. The, I, I, would, I would doubt that I'm the best. I can't even dunk. It is absolute, watch this, guys. It is absolutely impossible for us to exaggerate the goodness of God. You can't go too far in talking about his goodness. I, 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 when, I, when I was like, wow, really? Yeah, really. Talk about how good God is. He's better than that. He's better than that. He's even better than that. He's even better than you think. He's even better than you can imagine. 
You can talk about the goodness of God all you want. You can build him up like you can't build people up. Like, you know, you get the best, greatest exaggerator ever out here. Still won't touch the goodness of God in reality. That's how good God is. That's how good God is. We need to behold God in this manner. We need to look steadily. It's important that we look steadily at these things. How good is God? How beautiful is God? How loving is God? I thought I knew what love was, but it's better than I thought. Oh, man. I thought I knew what the love of God was. It's way better. I don't know what you've ever heard about the love of God. You may have heard something. You may have heard a little. You may have heard a lot. It's way better than everything you've heard, no matter how much you've heard. Tozer says it this way. If I were to try to explain to you the love of God, I'm like a three-year-old reaching up to grab a star in the night sky. I don't stand, I don't stand any kind of a chance of actually grabbing that star. This is me trying to explain the love of God to you. But what might happen and what that three-year-old probably, what will probably happen is somebody's going to see the three-year-old looking, trying to grab the star and be like, what are you looking at? Oh, you see the star. I see it too. It's beautiful. Now we're all looking at the love of God. I don't stand a chance. I mean, I want to tell you about the love of God and I do my best. Guys, this is my... And I fell short. I fall short, as so many have, as we always can, as every theologian continually over the years has. We just can't explain it well enough. We, with finite minds, are trying to describe something that's infinite, but we have to continue to try. We try. We just don't ever give up. I will never give up. <laughs> How old am I? 50 years from now, if I'm still here. I am still going to be explaining to you the love of God because I will still be receiving more insight as to the love of God and how it affects us. Come on. This is how we behold the love of God. This is how we behold God. If you have trouble beholding God, you got to start reading your word. Jesus said this. Watch. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you find life, but they are that which point to me. Jesus said, This points to me. This points to God. Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the word. And so if you want to know God, you have to know your word. You want to behold God, behold the word. Keep reading the word. Keep reading the word. Keep reading the word. And it's not so that you have an instruction manual for your life, although it is. It is that, but that's not why we do it. We do it because as we read this, we behold him. This week, I, I was reading one of these little books, got all these books. I, I happened to read it. It's a quick read. Read through it, and there's this one point, and I, I didn't ever realize this before, but I got this point from like six months saved, that in order to know Jesus, I have to know the word. Okay. Game on. 
Sign me up. I'm going to play. I'm going to play to win. Guys, this is my attitude. I am highly competitive in nature. I'm going to play. I'm going to play to win. I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to know God. I need to know the word. If I'm going to know God, I need to know the word. Can't know God without knowing the word. I'm telling you right now, you can't know God if you don't know the word. I hope this is not a revelation. That's why there's no cheering. Praise God. <laughs> but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We behold the glory of the Lord. We need to look steadily at who God is. And when we do, we are being transformed into the same image. What do you lack? You can get it just from looking at God. What do you lack? What do you lack in your life? You can get it just by looking at God. Do you lack compassion? Do you lack patience? Do you lack discipline? What is it that you lack? If it's something good and godly that you lack, then by looking at God, we'll get that. Patience doesn't come, guys, patience... <laughs> Uh, patience doesn't come by trials, right? Uh, our, someone tries our patience, right? We don't get more patience by having our patience tried more. When I was a young Christian, people would say, don't ever pray for patience because you're going to be tried more. Whoa, hold up. You got the wrong idea here. You are thinking that patience comes from my own effort, but the Bible tells me that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is who God is. God is patient. And so if we behold God and we see him and we see him in his patience, we'll be patient. This is what, as we behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord, as we behold who God is, we are transformed to the same image from glory to glory. God is patient. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is long-suffering. It means he is extremely patient toward us, not willing that any should perish. What do you lack? Just look at God. Just fix your eyes on God. And he'll give it to you. You'll receive it. Lack patience? You lack compassion, you lack mercy, you lack kindness, you lack goodness, you lack faith, you lack faithfulness, you lack discipline. All these things, we can have it all. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you lack self-control? Fix your eyes on God. Look at his beautiful presence and you'll be transformed. Too often we come and we're waiting to hear a word from God when God's already told us what to do and we just lack the discipline to get it done. <laughs> T 
too often we're listening for God to tell us what to do when God's already told us what to do and we lack the discipline to get it done. Too often, we're listening for God to tell us what to do when he's already told us what to do, but we haven't applied the discipline to get it done. Come on, there you go. Let me have a little response. It helps me. We are transformed from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. Not only does God give you everything that's lacking, but God can take out everything that shouldn't be there. Is there sin in your life? God will take it out. Sometimes sin's there because uh, we're not moving in self-control. So it's really the self-control that we need, and then we won't fall into the sin that so easily besets us. What is it that you lack? What is it that you need? What is it that you need to overcome? God is enough. When we behold the glory of God, all bets are off. One moment in the presence of God will transform your life forever. You will not be the same. This is why we are, this is why the Bible refers to us as new creations in Christ. You are not the same. The old man has passed away. The old Matt has passed away. Behold, I am new. I am new. I am fresh. I am no longer held by the bonds of my past. My past doesn't define me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. And I will be what God says I will be. He gets to, he gets to say who I am. Not me. Not even me. He does. Glory to God. Glory to God. Here's, a, here's an awesome story. Luke 19, verse 1, the story of Zacchaeus. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the head tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was rich, and he sought to see Jesus. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was a short man, because he was of short stature. He was a short guy. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up into the tree and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Hurry up, come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, and he came down. He hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. He received Jesus joyfully. But when they saw it, when the crowd saw it, they all complained, saying, I wonder who was in the crowd. Was it just your average Israelites, or was it more Pharisees? I wonder who was in the crowd. The crowd complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Well, I'll tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't the disciples, because the disciples all knew that he was sinners, the disciples already knew Jesus' pattern of hanging around with sinners. Matthew, after he got saved, he had a party at his house with all of his tax collector buddies. And Jesus came in the midst of them and sat with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. This is Jesus' regular MO. This is what he's doing all of the time. This is nothing new. If you've been around him for a minute, you know this is going to happen. 
They complain, saying he's gone to be a, a guest with a man who is a sinner. Shocking. Then Jesus stood, I'm sorry, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of all my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. I'll tell you what I think. I think Zacchaeus is going to get poor quick. I think Zacchaeus is going broke quick. First off, I'm going to give half of what I have away. I'm going to take the amount of money I've got, whatever it is I've got stored up, and I'm giving half of it away. Bye-bye. Give it to the poor. And then, if I've cheated anybody out of a dollar, I'm going to give them $4. If I've cheated anybody out of $10, I'm going to give them $40. If I've cheated anybody out of $100, I'm going to give them $400. Dude, you ain't got that much money. (laughs) Going broke quick. And this is what Jesus had to say about the situation. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus makes this ridiculous statement, which is true. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, this isn't hyperbole. He wasn't just saying this to say it. He wasn't just saying this for the crowd. Because if he was, Jesus would have known. Jesus looks straight through all of the outward appearances, and he looks directly at the heart. He knew Zacchaeus' heart in this very moment. What happened? What happened? When he climbed up into the tree, he was a chief tax collector. When he came out of the tree, he was a different man. What happened? The presence of God transformed him in a moment. The presence of God transformed him in a moment. Now listen, I know we're talking about money, and I'm not saying that you can buy your way into heaven because you can't. But what happened is, is when God gets a hold of your heart, everything you have becomes his. And there's no reason why you, withhold, why you would withhold anything if God asked it. And so here, when the crowd becomes unruly and says, he's a sinner, he's like, no more. I'm giving half of everything I've got away. If anybody thinks I've cheated them, I'm paying them back four times. Kidding me? Kidding me? Broke quick. Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. He went up into that tree, sinner, tax collector, cheater, robber. Jesus said, come down. Make haste. Come down. I'm eating at your house tonight. You're going to cook me a meal, and we're going to get together. Just that moment in the presence of Jesus was enough. It transformed Zacchaeus' life. It changed who he was. He said, I'm leaving my cheating ways behind. I don't even care if I lose my tax collector job. I'm giving it all away. I don't care. I've been transformed. I've been changed. I, have, I was one way, but now I'm another way. I've been transformed by the very presence of Jesus in my life. This is why there, there is such a priority on the presence of God in my life because Jesus transforms us. If there's any 
evil way in me, he'll take it out. If there's any evil way in me, he'll point it out. If there's anything that's wrong, he'll give me the grace to make it right. He gives me the grace. It's by his grace. It's by his strength. I don't even have to put forth the effort. I just have to rely on him. I just have to keep looking to him. I just have to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. We don't get to this place through effort. We get here by surrender. Zacchaeus was up in the tree. He said, I want to see Jesus. I want to see this Jesus when he passes by. I've heard about him. I've come to be a spectator. I want to gawk. I want to see. And then Jesus called him out. He said, hey, you up there, one looking. Come down. We're going to your house today. We're going to your house and this is Jesus' invitation to everybody. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter if you've been saved a day or you've never been saved before, or if you've been saved for 30 or 50 years. Jesus wants to come by his presence and dwell in your heart. And the presence of God will transform you and give you every single thing that you need. What do you need? Make a list right now. What do you need? The presence of God will come and do that thing for you. Do you need healing in your physical body? Do you need emotional healing? Do you need healing from past trauma? What is it that you need? God is enough. God is strong enough. God is good enough. God will heal it. God will bring it to pass. It doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing that God can't do. He is a miracle-working God. He works miracles. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of the Lord. Can I just get the worship team to come on up? I'm going to finish reading this scripture, but as I'm reading the scripture, worship team, come on up. I want to, after I read this scripture, after I, I talk a little bit about this, I want to go back into a moment of worship and I want to invite the presence of God to come and I want to give all of us a moment to respond to the presence of God. But worship team, come on back up. And you guys can just start playing as soon as you get ready. Just play quietly be behind me as, as I read this last scripture. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, I am pleading with you. I am pleading with you by God. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Doesn't come through strength, doesn't come through effort, it comes through sacrifice. We surrender to him. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. NIV says reasonable act of worship. Reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. God wants to transform you. God wants to transform you. God wants to do something greater. God wants to do something stronger. God wants to do something so that he gets glory. And he wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. God could come and he could do it all by himself. 
but he's chosen not to. That's why it's a great commission, because we do it together. He said, I'm only going to do it through these human people. I'm only going to do it through mankind. I'm only going to do it through you. So when we come and we surrender, he does it through us. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. The world wants you to be one way. The world is ever trying to shape us and shift us and create us and pigeonhole us and to tell us how to think and to tell us how to act and to tell us what we need to do, to tell us what is good and to tell us what is wrong. God said, God is the only one who can tell us what is good and what is wrong. God is the only one who tells us what is right and what is evil. Only God, not this world, not this world. But it doesn't stop the world from trying to, to, to pattern us, trying to influence us. But God transforms us by the renewing of our mind. Our mind is renewed as we take in who God is. As we take in the word of God, as we take in who God is, our mind is transformed into what God wants us to be. Into who God wants us to be. Why? That you may prove what is that, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you could be a voice. That you could show the world, this is what it looks like to follow God. This is what it looks like to follow God. You see this glory that's shining? I can't tell you the number of pe times people ask me, especially when I worked in the, in the, in the workplace, rather than working in the church when I would work in a regular secular job people would ask me all the time why are you so happy all the time it's the glory of God shining through me it's the joy of God it's God in me shining through me that's what you're seeing why am I so happy it's God on the inside of me you can have him too I know I shared this before, but it's worth sharing again. God wants the restoration of what we had in the garden. God would come and he would walk in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and with Eve in his full manifest presence. His full manifest presence was right there before their eyes. And they walked back and forth through the grass. They walked back and forth through the garden and God, through Jesus Christ, has restored that place for us. We can walk with God right now. We can walk in the very presence of God right now because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. See, there's an issue, and the issue is sin. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and the sin cast them out of the garden. But Jesus came, and he made a way. It was his blood that was poured out on the cross that paid the price for your sins and for mine so that we can go to heaven when we die but also that we can live with Jesus Christ here on the earth with the Holy Spirit God dwelling on the inside of me this is exciting news this is the good news this is great news it's great news. It's not just good news. It's great news. The living God, the God of all creation, the God that made the earth and the moon and the sun and the stars and the galaxies, that God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to share. Jesus wants to share everything that he has with you, with you. 
It's because of who he is. It's because of his love for you. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. You've never entered into this relationship with him before. I want to invite you to do that today. If you're here and not your heart's desire, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you suffered, died, and were buried. On the third day, you rose again, and you are seated at the right hand of God. We believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you just got introduced to Jesus. The same way you might get introduced to somebody new here after church. And that's the beginning of the relationship that you will walk out for the rest of the days of your life. If that's the decision that you make today, this is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. We just want to celebrate. Jesus wants to grab you by the hand and run you into the throne and say, Look, Dad, look who I found. I'm going to have them sit right next to me. I'm going to share my toys with them. This is going to be great. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to ask you to do this for me. I want you to check the box here that says, Today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. The Bible says that when we make the decision to follow Christ, that we should tell somebody. This is your way of telling me. And if you check that box, I'm going to mail you some information that explains the decision that you just made to follow Christ. So if that's you today and you just prayed that prayer, check that box. There's another box there that says, Today I recommit to following Jesus after walking away. As I've been talking about the transforming power of God and its ability to transform your life, maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you've been challenged in your walk with God. But maybe today is the day of drawing a line in the sand saying, I will not go back any longer. I am from this day forward, I am following after God. From this day forward, I will not shrink back. From this day forward, I will rely on the Holy Spirit. From this day forward, if that's you, check that box. Today I recommit my life to Jesus. I just want us all to stand. We're going to go in and we're going to sing this song. And as we sing the song, just allow yourself to be transformed by God. Allow yourself to be transformed by God. It's in beholding God that we are transformed by God. We, are, we behold God through the word of God. We also behold God through worship, especially when the words of worship are directly from scripture. And so as we worship today, allow yourself to be transformed. If you are here today, Listen, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. If you're here today and you say, I need to be transformed today, I want you to come down here and worship up front. I want you to come down and worship up front. Why am I asking for a response? Because Jesus asked for a response. When people came to Jesus, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And so sometimes God's looking for us to step out. He's looking for us to step out by faith. And so that's what I'm asking you to do today. If you want to be transformed, if you want today to be your day of no going back, of no looking back, I want you to come down here. And while we worship, I want you to worship up front. 
as a sign and a de declaration to everyone here. We're, we're family. We love one another. As a sign and a declaration to everyone here, today is my day. I'm not going back. Today is my day of commitment. I'm recommitting myself to God. I will behold the, the glory of God, and I will be transformed. Go ahead, guys. Just start to worship. Come on.